1: Kidley Wright from the logo! Got it!
0: Oh, but Kidley Wright.
1: Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, here's the plan for today. So, usually we do separate podcasts one for like the media availabilities, one for what to expect from the next opponent. Um, we're going to push those together this week because I'm not going to lie, the media availabilities weren't all that interesting. Um, except for, except for one, Darren Cheverini's, and I'm just going to play that full audio on this podcast so you can listen to it. And so that's going to be at the end. Um, we'll touch on some of the key points, uh, from the media availabilities to, to start things out. But I mean, what, what do you expect them to say? Uh, The offense needs to get better. The defense needs to clean a couple things up too. Special teams, some mistakes, but they're bailed out. There really isn't all that much to talk about. Um, but we'll, we'll touch on the important parts and then move along, talk about USC, close things out with Darren Chev Arini. So let's just jump in. Um, I think the big storyline, what I've been talking to guys about is just mostly Katie Nixon because, um, again, like, I, like, I talked to Montana Lamonius Craig yesterday. And we talked a little bit about, you know, adjusting, being on the field, that sort of stuff. Nothing all that, like, revolutionary. But the big thing is, like, so you get Katie Nixon back. What's that like? And, and he's excited, obviously. He said that he hasn't talked to him at all, but uh, he's excited to talk to him after the game. Um, and... You can tell that that's like a little bit of a motivating factor. It's weird because KD really hasn't had too big of a role with USC this year. I think he's returned some punts. Um, He's been on the field. It's usually like 15 snaps a game, 20 snaps a game, something like that. Um, Caught a couple passes, but not anything all that significant. Um, That was kind of the storyline. And again, like... I really just didn't have anything that I needed to talk to these guys about this week. Um, So, also on Katie Nixon, you know, I also talked to Dimitri Stanley about it. I talked to Makai Blackman about it. And everybody really is excited. You know, you talk to him about anything else. um, You know, how do you get through the situation like this? and it's like, well, you know, we just got to keep working, just got to keep getting better, that that sort of stuff. But you ask him, what about Katie Nixon? And, and like, Makai says, oh, we were just talking last night. We were texting last night. He's like a group text that he's still in that, you know, that sort of stuff, that sort of stuff. And there's going to be a story up on that tomorrow too, so be on the lookout for that. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're again, like, just isn't all that much to talk about. Dimitri said the same thing. Like he's excited to see him. Um, caught him off guard when he transferred. Didn't see it coming. Uh, same thing for Mackay. But uh, yeah, Makai is obviously going up against a pretty good receiving core. Uh, Drake London leads the way for USC. We'll talk about the rest of those receivers in a second, obviously. But it's it's kind of Drake London and then um, a big step down. Which is kind of what you expect when you have a first-round draft pick at receiver, and he's six foot five, and he's fast, and all those things. Um, but I think that uh, they they definitely see it as a challenge. You know, Keaton Slovis, the quarterback, too. They want to go get him. Um, they want to pick him off, and we'll talk again later. But that's possible, uh, and so they're pretty motivated by that on the defensive side of the ball, and then offensively, you just gotta get something going. Dimitri did say that he likes the late night, or no, he likes the the like noon kickoff a lot better than the late night games. Like they were eight thirty Mountain Time, but seven thirty in Arizona against Arizona State. Um, he says he preser- pre- pre- prefers the afternoon. To him, he says that's kind of like prime time in college football. Like that's when people are actually tuned in and watching. Um, also actually everybody I talk to, you know, without, without asking, like, I think a lot of it. So I usually just say like, yeah, how was practice today? And I say that because I'm trying to get the recording to recorder to open up. Cause I always forget to do that beforehand. Um, but, uh, a lot of people have said like, I mean, everybody I talked to said it's actually been a really great week of practice. It's probably been the best week of practice, um, this season. And I asked. uh Makai, what does that even mean? And he said, like, people are just flying around. They want to improve. They want to get better. Um, just, just high intensity, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, oh, on KD, I think Makai said that it does help that he was here at CU. Um, He obviously got to spend some time um, working against him in practice. For for a couple of years, he says that that is valuable. Um, Yeah. Then we can jump back real quick to uh, Oh, Mustafa. That was the other one that we didn't really get a chance to talk about. But Mustafa uh, is back this week. He'll be playing this week. And he talked at the press conference on Monday and kind of talked through everything that happened in this process. Uh, If you want the full version, it's on the website, ddmvr.com. I wrote it all up. Um, But basically, he uh, thought that he was going to get a a job somewhere in the NFL, was really surprised. He didn't get offered a free agent contract, Uh, had that workout with the Jets he said it went really well. The coaches were talking to him saying it went well. We're going to figure out how to get you in all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of fell through, which he said he was shocked. His agent was shocked. And so it got to the point where he just realized it was either go back to Colorado or go to the CFL. And he obviously decided Colorado first with CFL as the backup plan, able to get the waiver through. So he's able to play and, um, you know he said that it's been good going back to practice, you know, doing the uh like like contact stuff instead of just the non contact stuff, but he's excited, and I think that he's gonna be pretty valuable from Carl's press conference um which is right after Mustafa on monday um asked about Lloyd Murray who's transferring. And basically said, you know, everybody has different circumstances that go to the portal for different reasons. And his was, um well, here's here's what he said. Lloyd's case may not affect anybody else's case, and his unique reasons for leaving. Um that's their own personal case by case scenarios you're dealing with. He the way he said it, he didn't out and say like, uh, eh, he's had something come up in his life, but that's kind of what he was hinting at, I think. Um So that's nice to have another veteran presence in Mustafa. Uh, Some of those big returns, the Arizona State game, you know, they got called back. um, But Carl was asked, I think Brian asked him whether those were... um, Basically, whether they were because Josh Watts was putting the ball in a bad spot or whether it was more on the coverage. And he said it was mostly on the coverage. um, Those mistakes. Um, So there's... That just to keep in mind. Alright. Um, and that's basically it for all that stuff. Like I said, I'll play the Darren Cheverini audio. Actually, you know what? I'll just play it right here. Um instead of at the end, because it wouldn't make much sense to talk about it and then make you wait a half hour. So so it'll be right after I finish talking about Darren Cheverini. Um obviously. It was not a situation that somebody would want to be in um, if, if you're Darren Chevrini. I think, as he said, it's been obvious that things are going badly. Um, the, the struggles, It's or he said there's no question um, that we're struggling. Um, it's like, yeah, we all know that. And to have to go talk and take questions for, I think it was about nine minutes It's not fun, not fun at all, and I want to start with that preface, that the fact that he was willing to come talk to us, pat on the back for that one. Um, I thought that he made some good points. He did make some good points, and they're basically the same things we've been talking about, you know. It's it's hard to build a successful offense around really raw quarterbacks, and I don't. I think I, I usually say young quarterbacks. I think I mean Darren Shaverini mostly said young quarterbacks as well, but there is a difference because sometimes you see an 18-year-old just show up and he's incredible, um, even though he is young. But Brendan Lewis is obviously very raw, and Drew Carter also very raw. And so to, to, to have that at quarterback makes your job as an offensive coordinator really, really, really hard. Um, now, at the same time, you know, what would be the advice that you would give a coach before he goes and talks to reporters? And the advice is probably, hey, you take the blame for yourself. You know, that's like the classic move that – All fans know is you just say, oh, this is my fault, regardless of whether it is or not, because it's just like uh, the first of all, it's like nice to take that load, that burden off of the rest of the team, whether it's the coaches, whether it's whatever. Um, But also because like at this point, like fans kind of expect it, you know. So he I didn't think really did that, Um, which, again, there's kind of a balance here where Darren Chevorini is kind of on the hot seat and not even kind of on the hot side he's the hot seat at this point he is on the hot seat um he needs to change some things or odds are I mean he needs to change some things or he won't be the offensive coordinator here next year. I don't even think it's like an odd situation um who the it's it's kind of an odd situation like is it 50 50 he doesn't have his job next week if things don't go well this Saturday potentially. But if things don't turn around by the end of the season, then, yeah, it's he, he will not be back as offensive coordinator next year. And, I mean, I think that he knows that, but I also think that if he's thinking about that, then that is a really bad thing. But those are the circumstances. And when you're under those circumstances, the whole, yes, this is all my fault. You know, I, I need to be doing a better job with Brendan. I need to do a better job building a running game. I need to, all, all that sort of stuff it <laughs> it's a lot easier to just say hey look at these circumstances guys like like look at what's going on here and i i think that it's it's important to know that that balance is kind of the the tough one to strike in these circumstances and t- to be honest i think that he did push off a bit too much of the blame. I think he was a little bit defensive. Um, But again, were the points that he made valid? Yes. He is dealing with Brendan Lewis. Um, The offensive line has struggled. The receivers, as talented as they are, are very young. And as he pointed out, you know, the ones that aren't young, Daniel Arias is a junior. Well, he really hasn't seen the field all that much. And so he's pretty raw out there too. Um, And I think that... Most of what he said is probably true. It's just what, whether you say it or not. And I, I'm making it sound like he he missed on the balance by a landslide. I don't think that's true. But at the same time, you know, I think the first question was something like, you know, obviously things aren't going great in terms of the, this offense right now. But what do you feel like is, is the problem? So... What he said is the couple things um, that I think are, you know, with the young quarterback making his first couple college starts, there'll be some growing pains. It's some really good competition. There's been some good defenses. We've struggled, though. Um, there's no question that we struggled. And so, you know, it's stuff like that where you get answer the question, the first couple words out of his mouth are with a young quarterback. It's like, okay, uh, maybe a little bit too defensive. At the same time, what do you want from the guy? Because he is right. And I've said this before, like, I th- I think that at this point, if you're putting Brendan Lewis on the field, you're not winning the game. Unless unless you're playing Northern Colorado. And that's just where the buffs are at right now. And so he isn't wrong in saying it. Should he have said, I need to turn this around. I've like, that is the the gold standard. But also, again, in these circumstances, taking on all that blame when the seed is as hot as it is... Th- there's there's a there's a push and a pull, and the the balance maybe was a little bit off. You know, for example, um, I think there was another one too. Oh, um, talking about kind of the pressure. I mean, you guys have probably seen it on social media and stuff. People are not ha- happy with Chev. For a minute, I'm pretty sure that fire Chev was trending on Twitter. Um, and you basically asked, like, do you feel some of that heat? And he said, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. It's like, ah, dodged it just a little bit there. Um, but he said, you know, it's it's a team effort. And I when things go wrong, I, I get blamed. When things go right, I get the credit. It's that The exact same thing is true for Carl Durrell. It's true for other guys as well. And that's just kind of the way things go. Would it have been a little bit better to say, yeah, I feel it, and I understand why. People are frustrated because we've put up 13 points in the last 10 quarters, 11 quarters, whatever it is. Um, that probably would have been the right way to play it. And I think that in general, you know, just just maybe a little bit defensive. Um, when you look at the circumstances, though... If you were to ask me beforehand, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is, but just plop anybody down in the situation, you say, is that guy going to be defensive? I say, yeah, he's going to be defensive. <laughs> Look at what happened. So, I don't know. In terms of what he had to say, he's not really wrong. Um, you know, I ask a question there, like, um, let's see if I can actually find it word for word real quick. Um. Oh. Uh, I said Jared Broussard hasn't been able to put up the numbers he put up last year. What's been the difference there? Um, and he said, well, he's not getting as many touches as he did last year. Because you're getting Alex in there, you're getting a shot in there. It's like, well, yeah, he he had 16 carries a game last year. He had 11 carries per game this year. But also, like, he averaged 5.7 yards per carry last year, and it's like 4.3 this year. So there's some of that sort of stuff where it's like, yeah. Uh, That one in particular, I didn't love that answer. Um, But, yeah, uh, you know, again, props to the guy for even showing up to this. Because he did not have to do that. And that was not a time where I bet he wanted to answer a lot of questions. Um, You got to give points just for showing up in that circumstance. Um, So, I don't know. Curious what you guys think. Um, And to be honest, you know, I... I think that everybody kind of comes into this situation biased. You know, whether it's Chev biased toward, hey, look at these circumstances against me, whether it's fans who have maybe never seen an offense struggle quite like this. 13 points in 11 quarters, that's got to be one of the tougher stretches in the last, you know, couple of decades since things kind of turned south here in Boulder. Um, You know, I think that maybe there's... I mean it's emotional, it's emotional is what it is, and you have that bias, and so it's one of those things where we talk about it a lot where you know people complain about the the sideline demeanor from Carl Durrell and because he he isn't over there screaming, he isn't yelling, he's doing those sorts of things, and people don't like that, but it's like if they were winning, I think he'd feel fine with it, and on top of that, you know if uh. If he was screaming up and down the sidelines at the refs for 15 minutes straight like Mike McIntyre did, people wouldn't like that either. And so, I don't know. I I don't want to call you guys out, but I think that all of us are, are biased in some way, just like me. I wonder what mine is. Um, I want this season to be fun so that my job is more fun. So I look for the the bright side? I don't know. Um that maybe that's a little optimistic for myself. But yeah. Um I guess that's really all there is to say. We'll let Darren Cheverini talk for himself. Um we'll see what happens because again, like I wrote about this when I wrote about everything that happened uh, on the website. Again, check that out. But it's a it's a big week. It's a really big week because if you lose this game, the season is basically done. Um, you're you could you could kind of backdoor a bowl eligibility, but at one in four, I mean you'd have a lot of work to do there. And when it comes to actually winning the Pac-12 South, which I think is kind of the goal every year, and after how well things went last year, um, I think that was kind of the goal. And uh, based on talking to people during fall camp, during the spring, you know, everybody up in Boulder was saying that's the goal. We, we want to compete for a conference championship. And that that goal could die so early in the season if you start conference play 0-2. Um, not as early as USC's did after starting conference play 1-2. They are already out of it. Um, but then again, like if, if Colorado does win this game, which we'll, we'll talk about why that could happen in a bit. I still, it just feels weird hearing those words come out of my mouth given what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, but we'll talk about why that is very possible because this USC team, it's stinky. It is stinky. Um, but if you win, yeah, you're 1-1 one one in Pac-12 play. You're relying on Arizona State losing two games the rest of the way um, and and winning out. It's not something you want to rely on. But it is very possible. You know who does Arizona State have this week? They've got they're on the road at UCLA. You could get that one loss there, and who knows? Maybe maybe there's three teams with one loss, and so they they go to a different tiebreaker than just that one to one head head to head against Arizona State, and that changes some things. But you know, if as as long as you're you only have that one loss you're alive. Because that's the way these races to to win the division work. Is you get one loss at some point in the season, it's definitely best not to to waste it on the first game of the season. But you are where you are, and if the time comes where it's over, it's over. And on top of that, obviously, you go into the bye week, so you can't get that second loss next week. You've got Arizona after that, so you're really not thinking you're going to get a loss that week either. Um, from there you go to Cal, which, and still early in the season, don't know what Cal is, but I'd be surprised if they're better than middle of the pack 12. And I think there's a chance they're worse than that. Um, that's a winnable game from there. Um, but, but basically you've got two weeks that you buy three weeks really, because you get all the way up until that Cal game day. Um, basically three weeks where you're still alive versus it being over. Um, yeah. Yeah, here's Darren Cheverini.
0: Well, obviously uh, the offense is struggling lately, and yeah. just, let's get your take on that. Like, what do you feel like is is really the issue. Well, a couple things. I knew that with a with a young quarterback you know, making his first college starts, there would be some growing pains. He mixed in some really good competition and some good defenses, and we struggled. There's no question that we struggled. But I think you see, that you see it around college football. You see it in the National Football League when young quarterbacks are playing and there's a development process. There's there's steps that need to be made. And he's gotten better each week, and he's going to continue to get better. I'm I, seeing growth from, from Brennan. I really am seeing growth. And it's not just Brendan. There's guys around him that need to make plays. But there's a lot of young players playing too. You know, receivers were playing. You know, a couple true freshmen. You know, Jake Wally's a freshman. You know, and we got some. We got some veteran interior pieces, but there's a lot of youth around him. And so we're going through some growing pains, but there's no question. And, and playing through competition has kind of shown those growing pains. think you guys expressed confidence in Brendan throughout the offseason? But when you when you lose Sam or the transfer, football, or JT Strata <laughs> injury, and you have no choice but to play young guys, how much more difficult What does that make it? You know, it's uh it, it's i'm excited every morning i get up to come to work because you get a chance to change young men's lives you get a, you get a chance to make them better and show them the way they're learning the way right now they're learning how to practice the right way they're learning how to grind in games against good competition you know we're playing good football teams and, and uh so we're getting a lot of you know trial by fire and uh but I, I see improvement week to week i really have and uh, we'll get better you know we're we're, we're developing this offense it, it is young in a lot of places Even though we have some veteran pieces when you have a young quarterback and some young pieces around him It's gonna take some time. I know people get frustrated. I get frustrated and but you got to stay the course, and you got to keep coaching them and keep working a bit better. Darren, with uh, with a young quarterback like Brendan, who, who is going through some growing pains, yeah. is, do you at all feel limited as a play caller just in what you can give to him? It's not so much being limited. It's just you have to know where you're at offensively. And and right now, you know, it's not like when we had Stephen Montez or some other veteran guys that have played three or four years. He's, got, he's a young quarterback. Drew Carter's a young quarterback. There's two freshman scholarship quarterbacks right now, and we're trying to build game plans and build practice the scripts to, to, to develop these players for this year and for future years so you know as a play caller, you got to know what you got you got to know as a coordinator where you're trying to take this thing and I, I think we did a better job last week against arizona state of running the football and helping brendan and then he's making some plays as well so we'll continue to do that and he'll grow as the season goes on you'll see his growth from week to week have there have been any points where it's been tough to keep guys morale up this is what we do And as a coach and as players, we have to understand this is what we do. There's going to be adversity. There's adversity even when you're winning. So you have to look inside yourself, challenge yourself individually. Us as coaches have to challenge the group, and we have to come to work each each day being positive and focused on getting better. and That's where we're at. We're focused on getting better every day.
1: Uh, Jared Broussard hasn't been able to put up the numbers he put up last year. What, what's been the difference there? He's not getting as many
0: touches as he did last year. You're playing more running backs. I remember last year you guys were talking about he gets too many touches. So, you know, we're balancing it out. We got him getting touches. We got Alex Fontenot back in the mix. The shot Clayton has grown up a little bit this year. And he's getting touches. You know, so we have more backs getting touches. So, Jared's fine. He's a really good football player. And you see it when you guess the body makes things happen. Uh, obviously, we've seen Brennan you'll be able to have success with the run but how important is it for you guys to get that passing going to kind of back up? Yeah, there's no question we got to get it going, and uh, we're working on it every day. You know, Coach Durrell obviously is an offensive coach. He was my coach, you know, and, and, and I'm a former receiver, and and obviously love to throw the football, but we, we're developing these guys. We're, we're a younger receiver, too. We're missing some pieces there, too, with guys being out. So when you're playing, you know, Brendan Rice is a freshman, Montana is a freshman, Ty Robinson is a freshman, Chase Pennery is a freshman. Really, the only veteran presence you have right now is Demetrius Stanley and then Dan who hasn't played a lot of football. So they're, it's a young receiving core as well, and they're getting better. you are seeing it in practice. They're making contested catches. They're taking the next step, and then that passing game will start to open up and be like, okay, I see it now. And believe me, we're, we're, we're wrapping it, and we're working on it every day. Obviously, your head coach has an offensive background, and Danny's called plays before. How do how exactly does kind of the game planning work between you guys, as well as in game? We do a, we do a great job of working together. Even when Coach Darrell, Coach Darrell sits in our meetings, we talk. We have honest conversations about our our personnel and how we can attack people. And, and Coach Langsdor is very involved in that, and so is the whole offensive staff. At the end of the day, putting a game plan together is about your personnel and where's your strengths and where can you attack defense? At? And so we're we're doing those things weekly. And as these guys continue to develop and grow, we'll, we'll keep taking those next steps. But it's going to be a progression. It's going to be a progression. We are developing this offense. It's not a veteran laid group across the board. It's a young group that's taking baby steps and growing pains. And we're all in it together. We're all invested in this thing together because we'll, we will get it there. I know people are frustrated, but we will get it there. It's going to take hard work, and it's going to take it's going to take each week showing progress.
1: Carl mentioned last week. I think the phrase he used was like poking his head into the offensive meetings a little bit more. What does that shift look like?
0: No, he's, he's in there, and, he, and we have honest conversation. He's been great. We have a great relationship. We go back 20-something years, and, and so he can say things to me, and, and it's not going to offend me in any way. So we have a great relationship. It's, it's, I enjoy the input, and at the end of the day, we got to put together a plan, and we got to go, all go out there and execute the plan. And so sometimes that's easier said than done, but I see the pro- They're getting better. We play some good football teams, and we're we're making progress. And the key thing for us is development and making progress week to week. So when things aren't going well, the public likes to point fingers. A couple of quarters. Uh, there's a a lot of fingers being pointed at you right now oh, of course you felt some of that uh, do you feel uh, some heat um, you know you need to be better you know it, it's at the end of the day we're all in this together when we're playing well i'm going to get a lot of credit When we're not playing well i'm going to get a lot of criticism i get the same thing with coach terrell he's the head football coach so when team's not playing well he gets criticism when they're playing well he gets credit we're all in this together as as, as coaches as players our job is to coach them hard and see development but we're going to have some growing pains okay we're going to have some growing games right now with a young quarterback who's had four starts, and he's going to his fifth start, so we want to see progress, we want to see us taking the next step, because we're growing and building a program and building an offense, so we will get there but it's going to take some development. You know, I know everybody's quick to, to judge, but we have to understand where we're at and where we're trying to go, and it's going to take week-to-week uh, progression and, and having those growing pains and taking the next step. Aaron,
1: you know, just at this point in time with, with Drew Carter, we saw him a little bit against
0: Minnesota, but uh, not not since then. Just where is he development-wise, and just are, are you guys as a coaching staff uh, confident in his ability? He's getting better, too. I mean, I see it in practice. you got to understand, when, when you know Sam left and JT went down, those guys are getting all the reps. You know, they're getting all the reps. And I've seen a lot of growth from Drew from week to week. I've seen a lot of growth from, from camp to now that we're in season. And he he is getting better. You know, right now, you know, Brennan is our starting quarterback, and he's getting better, too. But at the end of the day, you need game reps, not just practice reps. These guys need game reps. And they're getting them, and it's trial by fire. But we're getting better, and that's the key. We want to get better. Have, so
1: you, had any, uh, have you had any conversations about potentially giving Drew Carter game reps earlier in the game? We, no, we, we've things?
0: had conversations. And we've had conversations with Coach Terrell and Coach Leningstorf, and at the end of the day, that's Coach Terrell's decision. And so, you know, my job is, to, is to, to, to get this thing going with us offensively as a staff and work with Coach Terrell on the game plan, and these guys are working hard. That's all we can ask as coaches. Are they working hard? Or are they trying to do what we're asking them to do? And then they have to go out there on game day and execute. So we, we know that we got to get – we all know we got to get better, and we're, we're, we're working on those things. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. Thank, awesome. you. Appreciate thank you. you. Appreciate it. it.
1: All right. So, uh, let's talk about USC. Um, I guess we can start at the top. So USC, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, uh, Clay Helton has been their coach for a while there. And, uh, he, he really struggled for a couple of years. People have thought like, Oh, yep. Time to get rid of him," And they just never did it. Well, I think they've played two games since they fired him, so that would have been two, three weeks ago that they finally pulled the trigger. Um, and uh, it was for pretty good reason. First of all, a poor body of work in general, but also they opened with a 30-7 to win over San Jose State, then lost 42-28 to to USC. Or, sorry, to Stanford. Um, that's what got him fired. Stanford, as you might recall had, uh, struggled itself and, uh, you know, they, they lost 24 to seven to, to, uh, Kansas state. Um, they did beat Vanderbilt, but they just lost by 11 at home to UCLA. So there's that, uh, from there, USC goes on in the first game with, uh, the, the, uh, interim head coach. Oh, what is his name? I can't remember off the top of my head, but, um, they they beat Washington state 45-14 then they lose to Oregon state this week at home 45 to 27 so things are going poorly um i want to talk a little bit about that stanford game because stanford in that loss to kansas state the week before just got pushed around like they got bullied they couldn't get anything going offensively um, couldn't run the ball really at all. Um, and on the other side, Kansas was able to run the ball on them. So in that game, 39 rushing yards for Stanford. Then the next week, they go and play USC. They put up 141, almost five yards per carry, three touchdowns on the ground. Um, the the real big number in terms of the rushing yards that uh, USC has given up came against Oregon State when Oregon State ran for 322 yards on almost 6.5 yards per carry. So, the way to beat this USC defense, pretty clear. You run on them, and that is kind of what you want to hear of uh, CU fans because throwing the ball not really an option. And you, and you look at the way this defense is constructed, and there's a few names worth knowing. Uh, the big one is Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson is an edge rusher, number 99, um, just a, a crazy talented guy, a potential first-round pick. Um, so far this season, I think he has like 10 pressures, um, only one sack though. So, I mean, not really living up to the hype I think is fair to say. Uh, from there, you look into the secondary. They've actually had a, a, a few pretty, pretty exciting players back there. Um Isaac Taylor Stewart is a, a draft prospect. It's kind of fun like reading up on the USC guys cuz they all have like crazy backstories, but uh Isaac Taylor Stewart, cornerback, wears number 6 and he was a first team all-American um uh like in track. Ran a 444 40 out of high school. Um five-star recruit, like all that sort of stuff. You're just like, "Oh yeah, of course," cuz those are the guys that USC gets. Um, freak athlete still not like refined in coverage, but that's kind of what you expect, right? From USC at this point. Um, you know, from there you go to, uh, Isaac, uh, or sorry, not Isaac Taylor Stewart. We already hit on him. Isaiah Polamau, uh, the safety, he's been there for a while. Um, last year he looked great next to uh, Talano Ufanga. Ufanga moved along. He's more the Box safety, and he is uh, more of like a deep safety. Pull him out, is they've just got so many guys, Um, but again, you don't really get scared of the edge rushers. We'll say like Tuli or sorry, of the defense in like the front seven. Wow, this has been a rough day. Tuli Tua Pelodo. He uh, is kind of the other edge rusher at this point, Nick Figueroa. I'm actually not sure if he's healthy at the moment, but he's another name to know. Um, but they're just on the boundaries, basically all the way up the defense. Pretty good. And in some spots, really good. In the middle, though, they, like I said, just struggle. Um, yeah, just just struggle. Um and that's why you think that if there's a week where Colorado can put it together and run the ball, this is kind of it, which is crazy to say because it's USC, one of the I mean typically one of the best teams in the conference. But their weakness is Colorado's strength and to be fair, it hasn't really been much of a strength to this point because Colorado has struggled to run the ball, you know, Minnesota a couple weeks ago, negative 19 rushing yards. That's not good. Um, the offensive line in general. They've just been kind of letting guys push by them and making mistakes. And if, if one in seven plays, each one of those guys makes a mistake, well, that's five out of the seven plays where there's a mistake, and that's not perfect math because sometimes they'd overlap, but you get the point. If the offensive line can just not screw up and give the running backs an opportunity, that could be the basis of a pretty good offense. On top of that... I think that you're at the point where no defense is really scared of you throwing the ball. And you really have two options when that's the case. The first option is to say, okay, well, don't be scared of us then and line up one-on-one and press us and blitz up the middle and we'll just take those one-on-one matchups and we'll pick you apart because we can throw the ball. I don't think that's the method that Colorado chooses because I don't think that that's really what's happening there. Um, I think that the more likely move is you say, well, we're going to go with two tight ends. We're going to put a fullback on the field. You know, Jaylee stacks. He's, he's not just for goal line situations. We can use him in the middle of the field as well to move the ball, to open things up a bit for Jarek Broussard. Um, and when that weakness is in the middle of the defense, I think that that gets much, much, much more appealing. Um, and that's honestly, I mean, obviously, I'm explaining what I would do. That is what I would do. Um, and then from there, you can start to build off of that. You start by saying, what is our base look? I think it's 21 personnel or 12 personnel. And whichever one of those isn't it is like your number two look. It just depends on whether you want to put a second tight end, whether that's Alec Pell or Matt Lynch out there, or whether you want to put Jaylee Stacks at fullback instead. I do think you need to see more of Jaylee Stacks outside of, like, the five-yard lines. You need to see what you can do in space, and then you can kind of build off of that. You know, if you're able to, to hit him for five yards to pop up the middle, well, maybe you can drop something really simple, a little bootleg, where you've got just three levels and I say that and I'm just like can is Brendan ready for that? I'm not sure he is. But you have you have faked the handoff to the running back. You've got the fullback leaking out in the flat. You've got Brady Russell at the sticks behind him and you've got Dimitri Stanley in the slot on that side and he's uh you know going a little bit deeper. I guess he probably wouldn't be in the slot. Brendan Rice is going deeper based on the personality, but um, that's what I'm looking at if I'm game planning this I'm going heavy, I'm trying to beat them up and I think that that's kind of your path to winning this game uh, on the other side of the ball things get more tricky um, first of all I'll start by saying Colorado's defense is really really good I think that it's easy to forget that because of the, the losses and the fact that they've given up what sixty-five points in the last two games. They're being put in bad situations. And to be honest, and they they that might not change this week, but if it does, we'll see what happens. Um this offense though for USC, uh Keaton Slovis at quarterback. He was probably a first round pick before the season Hasn't played all that great this season, so who knows where he fits in now. Um, They did have Jackson Dart, the true freshman, for one game when Slovis got hurt after throwing the ball twice against Washington State. And Jackson Dart looked really, really, really good. He just had meniscus surgery, so he isn't a threat to come into this game. It will be Slovis. Here's what you need to know about Slovis. He is a pocket passer. He can move a little bit, but... Not all that much. I think that the question to me is, can he outrun Carson Wells? If you know, let's let's say Carson's lined up on the quarterback's right side. He gets uh, gets inside the, the tackle, makes some pressure, chases him out the pocket. And so because he kind of chases him out, he's got like a, a Slovis has a three-step advantage. Can Carson Wells close that down and get a sack against him? I'm not really sure. I think that that's really close. Um, I think that's the best way that I can explain it. Um, He can throw on the run. He can throw from the pocket. He just doesn't run all that fast. Um, What else do you need to know? He can hit some deep shots, and we'll talk about these receivers in a second. Uh, They're good at catching those balls. But he mostly just wants to work you underneath. A lot of little spacing concepts. Possession receivers just get the ball in their hands, take the yards, and move to the next down. But he does that to set up the deep shots. And so those will come, and they'll probably be on target. And Colorado's corners have to be ready to cover deep, uh, which is going to be a challenge given that you have Drake London on the other side. Drake London is 6'5", 210, I believe, and he's crazy fast and he's also a good receiver on top of it. He's not one of those USC guys who just has a bunch of tools. Um, he will be a first-round pick. I'm ready to lock that in right now, and he might be a high first-round pick. Um, just going back and watching some of the games, that's how I spent my morning. He catches everything. You put the ball up high, he'll go up and get it. But even when you don't, even though he probably should because he is so big... He still finds a way to bring the ball in. He's got the footwork. He has such strong hands. He is tough to stop. Um, he lines up on Christian Gonzalez's side of the field. So that's going to be the, the primary defender there most likely. And that is a battle to watch. And that's what's on the line this week for Christian Gonzalez. Is if, if he goes out there and he's able to not even like shut down a guy like Drake London, then you're he's helping himself out. Um, I did miss. I wanted to hit uh, Keaton Slovis' stats uh, this week: thirty-one of forty-nine, three hundred and fifty-five yards, a touchdown, three interceptions. There were some bad throws in there there will be opportunities for these DBs to make plays. Well, we've been talking about how they haven't been able to uh, to actually force the turnovers. You're just waiting for those to finally come. I do think that this is the week. Just because Slovis is so cold right now, they're going to throw the ball so many times, there's going to be opportunities, and I think they take advantage. Back to Drake London, though. Um, leading the country in receiving yards, leading the country in receptions. um, that's really impressive considering that he's like a deep threat at six foot five. But like I said, they, they work underneath so much. They want to just keep the offense on track, pick up the short gains, and then that opens things up over the top. You know, we'll just run through these games for Drake London. 12 catches, 137 yards against San Jose State. 4 for 68 and a touchdown against Stanford in the loss. Uh, 13 catches, 170 yards and 2 touchdowns against Washington State. Ten catches, 165 yards against Oregon State. Whew, he is just a monster, and he is the focal point of that offense. And if Christian Gonzalez is able to make some plays there, like I, I think that if if you keep Drake London under 100 yards, that's probably a really good performance um, defensively. I think that that's a good goal. But if you can do that, and pick off a pass then you're you're really happy with what happened in that battle um behind drake london though not a whole lot which i don't know again like they have a bunch of really big guys who are fast and strong and they'll make some plays um taj taj washington i think is his name let me double check that um oh drake london number 15 by the way usc doesn't put names on their jerseys so it's good to know that um Taj Washington that is his name he also makes some really contested catches and he's another big strong guy um again just looking so 540 receiving yards for Drake London behind him you've got 175 for Taj Washington 89 Gary Bryant 71 Kyle Ford 62 Eric Cromanoak uh 56 Joseph Manjack 56 for the running back, Keontre Ingram. So so you've got a bunch of guys that are, you know, 50 to 100 yards. You've got Taj Washington, it's 175. you got Drake London way out in front. They're still figuring out who their other receivers are. And I think because of that, the way that you defend this passing game is by sending five guys at the quarterback... So that's what, in in, in a dream world, you've got uh, Terrence Lang, Mustafa Johnson inside. You've got Carson Wells and Guy Thomas outside with uh, Nate blitzing up the middle. And then behind that, you've got man coverage across the board with your free safety Mark Perry kind of playing over the top with Drake London. You know, it lets Christian Gonzalez get more physical, get up into his body up close. Because if he does get beat over the top, that is where Mark Perry is is looking, and the, everybody else is just kind of on their own island out there. Because Makai Blackman can take away a number two, um, Nigel Bethel can take away a number three, and yeah, that that's that's how I set this up in terms of the running game. they're they're like between the tackles runners. Um and this offensive line, you know that's where their strength is. Uh the the I think it's the left guard, Andrew Voorhees. Is it Andrew Voorhees? There's I, there's another Vorhees, and that throws me off. Um Yeah, it is Andrew Voorhees. He is incredibly talented, um, for a left guard. And outside of that, you know, like I said, they're Best blockers are in the interior. Their tackles have struggled. Um, It isn't a great group overall. It's a pretty bad group overall, honestly. Um, They got Keontae Ingram, the transfer running back from Texas, and he is kind of like Melvin Gordon, but if you guys watch the NFL, it's like NFL Melvin Gordon. It's not like Wisconsin Melvin Gordon who's going for 250 yards. He he isn't super fast, and maybe he does have better top-end speed than I give him credit for, but you watch him and you're like, he's not quick. He just is going to do a good job finding the space between the tackles, um, timing his cuts, following his blockers. And he's a good running back, but not crazy explosive. And they don't really have threats around the edge. So because of that, I mean, obviously you're going right at Terrence Lang, Mustafa Johnson, Jalen Sami, Naeem Rodman. Um, and then behind them, Nate Landman you feel pretty good about the ability to stop that running game and again with that passing game when you look at that offensive line you should be able to get pressure off the edges and because Keaton Slovis isn't a a mobile quarterback I mean again he he's not Ben Roethlisberger just a total statue right there but if you're looking across the Pac-12 there's only one or two guys who are less mobile than he is starting at quarterback right now. Um, so he's not a threat to run. You're willing to to just tell your pass rushers to get at him. And with Carson Wells, I think this is the week that, that he has to show up. Um, not, and, and I don't even know if that's fair. He has to start putting some numbers up. I think he's played solidly. I think he's played well so far this season. But it's time to start converting some of those pressures and those sorts of things into just straight-up sacks. I think that you can do it against this group. Um, Obviously, that speeds things up. The more that you can force these guys to throw those underneath passes – the more you get to see them throw those underneath passes. And, you know, Makai Blackman, Christian Gonzalez, those are some really smart players. And if you try to throw that same route a couple of times, they're going to see it coming and they're going to jump it. Um, so that's 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 my plan there. Um, I guess that's really all that I have today. Uh, I do think this game is winnable. and we, We've talked plenty about how all of this works um, and why this game is so important. I think there's there's a lot on the line for, obviously, Darren Cheverini. I mean, for the whole team, the season is basically, uh, it's not over because you can still fight for bowl eligibility, but you already know on the first, second day of October, I guess it would be, that you're not competing for a conference championship, and that's just not where you want to be. Um, and after that, that's when you get a little more drastic as Carl Durrell. You say, hey, this isn't working. We need changes, and we're going to start throwing more of these young guys out there and seeing if they pop because you're not too worried about what happens if they don't pop and things go poorly. Uh, that's where you probably see a lot more Drew Carter. Um, with with the bye week right there, you can you can get him ready to go. Um, Give him the best chance that you can give him, and if it doesn't work out, you go back to Brendan. Um, it's a big week, and this is a winnable game. I think, oh, I'm, let me check this line before we get out of here. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook, we love the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Please be something I want to bet on. Let's see. Colorado is a 7.5-point underdog, uh, plus 230 on the money line, over-under set at 25, or, or, sorry, 51, but that means you need 25.5 per side to push it. DraftKings pick of the week, we're going under on that 51-point money line uh, because Colorado's defense is going to be able to hold this offense to 24-25 points I I don't think Colorado's offense puts up more than that. And uh, if they win, it's because the defense hold them to 14, 15 points. So there's our pick of the week. Uh, That's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the game. Make sure you tune in for that, and we'll see you then.